Good morning, church family. My name is Jimmy Pruitt, and I'm the lead pastor here at The Bridge, and we want to welcome you to Bridge Church Online. I've got very good news. First of all, Bridge Church Online is going to continue uh, next week as we have been. However, the times are going to be changing, so you'll want to keep an eye out for that. We'll be doing a Saturday evening service at 5, a Sunday morning service at 9 a.m. and at 1045. All of those will be online, but also we'll be meeting and gathering live again. So the church that's been gathered is or scattered is now getting to be the church gathering again. So we want to invite you out. Be sure and make plans to come again Saturday evening, 5 o'clock. We'll have appropriate protocols in place. We'll be sending out information this week and promoting that for you so you'll know exactly what to do. But uh, we are excited that we get to come back together and see each other. I mean, we love all of our own humans, don't we? But it sure is fun when you get together with other humans, the body of Christ, and celebrate Jesus together. So again, I want to welcome you today. So a couple of things up front. First of all, I want to invite you to do something. If you are watching online, particularly on Facebook, let us know you're there. Write a note, say hello, do a wave, a high five, whatever. Let us know you're watching. We'd love to know where you're from, so be sure and say something and let us know where you're watching from because we want to stay up with you and keep up with you. And it's just a joy to celebrate what God's doing around the globe. And so thank you. And again, welcome to Bridge Church Online. We're going to begin with worship. I'll kick off with a word of prayer. And again, I want you to just be with your family there, be with your friends, or even if you're by yourself. But just know this, you're never really alone. I want to encourage you in something too. We're going to be celebrating communion in just a little bit. So do get your elements ready. And listen, there's no form, no pretense in this. Just get what you have and celebrate with us. So as we get started, let's pray together. Father, thank you for the privilege of worship. Lord, I thank you that when we are saved, when we're born again, you release your Holy Spirit. You fill us with your Spirit so we get to celebrate your presence. And Lord, there comes a subsequent time in our lives, just like at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and at Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10, where there is a, a, an empowering as you come upon those. And I thank you, Lord, that you give us your presence on the inside and you give us your power on the outside you empower us to do what you called us to do so Lord we welcome you Holy Spirit we welcome you we want to just follow your lead today and celebrate you Father God Jesus the Son Holy Spirit we love you we adore you we bless you and we play and sing for you we want to honor you in our worship in Jesus name amen let's worship together Change. 
talk about some miracles now. You turn morning to dancing. Yes, he does. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the only one who cares. You turn morning to dancing. Let's dance. presence here we want nothing more than just to sit at your feet and be in your presence God I thank you that at your feet and in your presence you just overwhelm us with your love with your grace with your mercy you're so good to us God so we just come before you and we just sit at your feet we bask in your presence and we give you all the glory, Jesus. You see what's hidden under the surface. You see the beauty under the top. Say, 
come with revival. You can start it in me. That's our prayer. Oh God, come with revival. You can start it in me. Father, sometimes the beautiful music that we play can in in some ways drown out the message of a song. And Lord, I am so overwhelmed with this message that Lord, bring revival, bring revival, come with revival and start in me, start in us. Why not here and why not now? And so Lord, we pray for harvest. We pray for souls. We pray for people to be born again and to truly embrace the truth that Jesus Christ is both Savior and Lord. That here is only one mediator between God and man, and that is Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. So, Lord, we declare the Lordship and the preeminence of Jesus today. We thank you, Lord, that even in our worship, we want to exalt you and, and lift you up and thank you for so great a salvation. And how can we not say thank you for grace? Lord, you give us what we didn't earn and what we don't deserve in grace. And in mercy, you don't give us what we deserve and what we earned. And so mercy and grace together, Lord. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. And we thank you for that gift. And so, Father, thank you for reviving our hearts, even in worship right now, even in living rooms and cars and where people are watching right now. You are bringing revival and harvest and awakening, and we pray for spiritual awakening. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Again, I want to welcome you to Bridge Church Online, and, and I thank you that you're joining us in, in a very real sense. You're sort of jumping on a moving train here. Because our heart to worship, our value, our core value of worship is, is just so strong, so beats in our hearts. And even as I was driving in today, I've got about an 18 to 20 minute drive in. And it was a beautiful, stunning morning this, as I was driving in. And all I could do was worship. All my, my only response to the beauty that I was seeing and the creation and, and just the incredible weather and it's green and it was just worship. It's praise and it's worship and it's celebration and it's gratitude. And I hope that's in your heart today in spite of what is going on. Because really our praise, our worship, our celebration, our honor has nothing to do with circumstances. It has everything to do with truth. And the truth is that you are with us. You are present both in presence and in power. And we're so thankful, so thankful. So I hope that right where you are, whether you're watching or listening or watching later, just receive the truth, the truth that makes you free, the truth that's made us free. And that's why we're exuberant and passionate in our worship. Well, again, welcome to Bridge Church Online. We're glad that you're here. I want to encourage you in something. First of all, my name is Jimmy Pruitt, and I'm the lead pastor here at the Bridge. But I just want to uh, encourage you to, if you have any prayer requests or any prayer needs, even though we've been in this shelter-in situation, we've continued to receive prayer needs, prayer requests, and continue to send those out so that people can be praying. So if you have a prayer need in particular, feel free to write us at info at bridgefbg.com, info at bridge 
fbg.com and just in the subject line just put prayer or prayer request we'll make sure that gets where it needs to go but we would love to pray with you and stand with you and want to remind you as well if you're watching online right now say hi click like or love or or something let us know that you're watching we want to know where you're watching from and then do keep sending in your pictures take a snapshot of of how you're watching us online it's beautiful to see the worship environments where you've created a temple in your home a place a sanctuary a worship center in your house so do send those to me as i get those i'll post them online so that we can see and celebrate and enjoy that together so again thank you one of the things we do every week, and it's very near and dear to our hearts, is that we pray for other churches and ministries and services around our area. And this morning, we have the privilege of honoring our United Methodist Church in Harper. Harper is one of our, our neighboring cities. It's a sister community, and we're, we're thrilled to be able to pray uh, for them and lift them up. And so would you join me in praying for the First United Methodist Church there in Harper? Father, in the name of Jesus, we celebrate what you're doing in Harper. We celebrate what you're doing at First United Methodist Church, and we speak blessings over them and life over them and encouragement over them. And Father, would you bless them? Would you pour out your spirit upon them and give them grace as they re-engage gathering uh, throughout this next season and give them wisdom and timing and all that they need logistically to do what needs to be done? We pray for the community of Harper. We, we feel such a kinship to that community, and we have many beautiful people that come to our church from Harper, and we celebrate your work there. It's just a special place, and so we speak life and grace over them. And for all the other churches right now, as all of us are getting ready to regather and, quote, reopen, it's really not reopening. We've been open the whole time, but in a sense, regathering and coming together, um, Lord, bless and encourage each one as as they look at timing and logistics and all the specifics and protocols that have to be done. So bless and encourage and pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I do want to remind you that next Saturday, the 23rd, we're going to be offering a third worship opportunity. And the reason we're doing that is to allow for spacing and whatnot so we won't have an overcrowd because we're not sure what to expect. But we want to invite you back. It's time to regather and to move forward as the Church of Jesus Christ and as Bridge Church here. So at 5 o'clock next Saturday, we'll have a full worship service, full team, everything. So we're not going to do a mini service or a, or a sub service. Everything's going to be the same as what you would get on Sunday morning. So it'll be 5 o'clock. Just as a reminder, there'll be no child care or children's ministry at this time yet. So we invite families to bring your kids and sit with, uh, they can sit with you. And we'll have seating on every other row and a, an appropriate spacing between. We'll have this place cleaned and taken care of. You're going to be in good shape and you're going to be uh, safe. And, uh, and two, you know, there's a recommendation by the CDC and also Governor Abbott for those at the at-risk at uh, age uh, situation, which is 65 and above. But here's the, here's the bottom line is this. We trust you and trust your judgment. There's no mandates and there's no laws here. And so we invite you to come if you feel safe to come. But if you don't, we encourage you to stay home and enjoy Bridge Church online just as you have been. So you come at your discretion. Pray about it. Ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have me do? And then you be obedient to what the Lord tells you to do. But we do look forward to seeing everybody as we regather. So it'll be 9 o'clock on Sunday, just like we always do, and 1045. And we will regather and we will worship the King together. I think we're going to have a big party in this place. So do come out and we look forward to having you with us. So we turn our attention to 
communion, we want to invite you right where you are to celebrate with us. And whatever elements you have handy, feel free to get that. And I'll share with you out of the book of Matthew, chapter 26, Jesus with his disciples. He's gathered with them in a very unique moment because it's called the Last Supper. It's the, the night before he was betrayed. And he's there with his disciples. And you can imagine because Jesus knew what was about to unfold. And even though much was hidden from them and they didn't have clarity on how it was all going to happen, Jesus, you can imagine the love that he had in his heart, knowing what they were about to go through, knowing himself what he was about to go through, but what they were about to experience when on the surface it was going to look like all their dreams and everything they thought was going to happen with Messiah is going to almost go away. It's like it's going to dissipate and disintegrate right in front of their eyes. He knew that was coming. So you can imagine the love and the tenderness with which he handled them. And we see even how he treated, um, um, how he treated Judas even on the verge of betrayal. And so I want to encourage you just to know the love of God and the heart of Jesus even as we celebrate communion this morning together. The scripture says this, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So right where you are, you celebrate communion. We're going to worship together, and as we worship, you celebrate communion right where you are. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for the broken body of Jesus and the blood that was literally poured out on our behalf, not just spilt, but poured out on our behalf as an act of volition for us. We are grateful for our communion with him, and we remember Jesus. We remember what you did, and we remember what you're doing even in our life this last week. All the interaction, the connection, all that you've done, we're grateful. And we honor you in communion and we honor you in worship. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.
And Father, we are grateful for the privilege of communion, grateful for the privilege of remembering and celebrating your goodness. And we are grateful for your presence and for your power today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we turn our attention in worship and continuing with the spirit and an attitude of worship in our giving. And I want to say thank you to all of you for being so faithful. We are so blessed here at the bridge and blessed with generous people. Why? Because we have a generous God and a generous Father. And I want to say thank you. And you're going to notice on the screen some names. And those names are people that we are privileged to support and privileged to bless. And I want you to get your eyes on those names. And remember, you can always uh, send and give online at uh, bridgefbg.com. And that will, uh, there's a giving portal on there on our website, so feel free to use that, or you can bring your offering by as well. And so I want to just encourage you that as you give today, think in terms, because here's what I do in my giving, I always think in terms of how generous God is to me. He's lavish. He's lavish in his love, and he's lavish in his provision. And I love the fact that he's not a God of just enough. He is a God of more than enough. He's a God of abundance. Jesus said, the thief comes only except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And then Jesus turns right around and says this. He flips the script, and he says, but I came that you might have life, and life more abundantly, to the full. And that literally means to overflowing. And that's the kind of life that God has called us to to live a life where we're so full of all of the goodness of God and all of the presence of Jesus and all of the person and work of the Holy Spirit that everywhere we go, we leak out that life. We overflow that life, not only in our own life, but to everybody who comes in our orbit. That's the kinds of things I think about when I give because I know this. I'm not just giving to the church. I'm giving through the church, through the body of Christ, so that others may be blessed. So as you give today, be encouraged in that and realize that what you're doing is spilling over, overflowing and impacting lives literally around the world. So let's pray over our offering today and we'll continue in a spirit of worship. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, we honor you, we worship you, we bless you, and we are thankful for the privilege of giving today. And I'm thankful for our people here at the bridge for their generosity, for their faith. They, they operate in a spirit of faith. And Lord, they give from hearts that are overflowing with grace and overflowing with thanksgiving and gratitude. And that's our heart today. And that's why we worship. That's why we raise up our hallelujah, because we are thankful and we are grateful for your goodness. We celebrate you in it today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. 
Just this past week, you know, we've been in this shelter-in situation, so sometimes if you're anything like me, you're kind of always looking for something to do, kind of outside the norm, and so for the first time in my entire life, I actually enjoy mowing the lawn right now because it gets me out of the house, it gets me out in the sun, and uh, so I'm like looking and waiting, okay, it's about time to cut the grass, it's like three days later, and it takes me a good two and a half hours out on the mower to do it, so I was out on the mower, and what has become kind of a neat thing, just even in this season, as we've just started, the grass is growing, and we're in spring, and what's been neat for me is just how God speaks to me in different places. He speaks to me in the cab of my pickup. I talk about turning my cab into a cathedral of worship and prayer and praise and intercession and celebration. He also speaks to me, maybe to you too, in the shower. I don't know. It's just... I've got this sign that I can see from inside my shower, and it says, today I choose joy, and, and I see that every day, and I choose joy in the midst of whatever's going on, and, and that's just become a place where he speaks to me a lot, but now I've got a third place that I'm really excited about, and that's on the lawnmower of all things, and so as I was mowing this week, I woke up that morning, this would have been Friday morning, I woke up with a, a real heaviness. And it was really odd because I'm not wired that way. I tend to be the guy in the best mood in the room typically, so I just, I live up. And so I, uh, I woke up just with a heaviness and I couldn't put a finger on it, man. I didn't get up and look at the news. I try to avoid that in the morning as much as possible, especially before I spend time with the Lord. And, or I write my daily devotionals or whatever, I just, or journal or whatever, I just don't even get my eyes on that. But for whatever reason, I actually woke up with that feeling. And then I went through my, my routine that morning, and, and uh, I wouldn't say I was depressed, but I just felt off. You ever feel just off, like things are not right with the world? Or am I the only human on the planet right now? So 
I decided it was, it was a beautiful morning. It was overcast and kind of gray, and I thought, I'm going to go ahead and jump on the mower because we were supposed to have rain later that day. And so I, I got out and got on the mower, and I thought, this will pick me up. So as I'm on the mower, and I am enjoying it, I'm getting going, and, and I'm mowing, and, and I've got my, my earbuds in, so I've got, real, it's really quiet. I could just worship. I usually have music going or a, a good book that I'm listening to, and I had some, some music going. And I just began to talk to the Lord while I'm mowing. And uh, just saying, Lord, what is going on? Why do I feel this way? What is going on in my heart? What's going on in my mind? And, and I just sort of learned some things. And I appreciate the ministry of John Eldridge. I just, I'll just articulate things. So I'll say, Jesus, what's going on in my heart right now? Jesus, what's going on in my mind? And, and I kept hearing the word consecrate, so I say, Lord, I consecrate my heart to you. I, I consecrate my mind, my will, my emotions to you right now. And it didn't seem to lift, so I was like, okay. So I just kept going, and I thought, well, maybe I don't feel good. Maybe I'm just, maybe I ate something I shouldn't have. I probably shouldn't have eaten those corn dogs at Sonic while I'm on keto. So whatever, something, I just was like, something's not right. Finally, as I just continue to listen to music and and worship, it comes, and it's like the Holy Spirit whispered to me. Now, I have to tell you something. I've never heard, I don't hear the audible voice of God, but I get impressions of where I sense or feel like he just spoke to me. It's my own voice, but it sounds really familiar like him. And here's what he said to me. He said, you're grieving. And I said, grieving. And I was like, wow. And that was a heavy revy to me in the moment because I didn't know what was going on. I couldn't put my finger on it. And then it, as, as I heard that and I leaned into that, I said, yes, Lord, I am grieving. Now, on Thursday night, we worship with our worship team here. We do our rehearsal. And, you know, we're, we've been showing up for weeks on end. In fact, Crystal and I are trying to figure out how many weeks we've even been doing this. We haven't even counted. We don't even know how long it's been. But it's, it's been strange showing up to an empty auditorium, this nice, large facility and yet it's empty every time we show up. And, and on Thursday night, I was sitting here and we were worshiping. And I was thinking, gosh, on Sunday, we're still not going to be together. We're going to be the church scattered still. Even though I'm excited about the 23rd and the 24th and regathering and other churches around our community are regathering, I knew we still weren't quite there. And I think that was weighing heavy on me. And then when I woke up, I woke up with that. And I was grieving. And I've been a pastor a long time. I know enough about grief. And I want to unpack that a little bit with you because while I was on the mower, I paused, had my phone in my hand, and shot a quick video while I was on the mower. You can find that on my Facebook page, talking about what I was feeling in the moment. And what you hear on that video is in real time. I mean, it's just real. It's raw. It just is what it is. And I was just saying, this is what I'm feeling. I'm actually grieving the loss of what was. You know, and grief is not just something that happens to you when you lose a loved one or you lose a relative or you lose somebody. It can be the loss of anything. It can be a transition. A transition of, of any scale can actually create the grief process or what's called the grief cycle. We're going to unpack that a little bit because when I posted that, I've got all this feedback and a lot of private feedback of many of you saying, I'm feeling the exact, thank you for saying it, because I'm feeling the same thing. 
and I'm feeling the same way, and I couldn't put a finger on it, but that helped me. So I felt like it was important that we continue with that thought because we've been long enough into this that the novelty of it wore off a long time ago. And, and just, you know, you can only redo things in your house so long. You can only read to your kids so much. You can only read so many. There comes a point where you're, we're created for connection and relationship and human interaction and even human touch. And so to have that all taken away because of a virus, there's something that is innately wrong with that. And we feel that loss and that burden. And then also there's the concern about what's out front. I mean, will we ever be gathered again, jammed in here with, with hundreds of people like we have been, to shoulder to shoulder, arm in arm, hugging, praying with one another, laying on of hands, which is biblical. It's instructive that we impart grace through the laying on of hands. Will we be able to do that? Will we be allowed to do that? I mean, all those thoughts just begin to run through my head about what is it going to look like? And you know what? I don't have the answer to that. But here's what I know. God was never taken off guard or by surprise by any of this, even though we were. And so I want to go back into a biblical story with one of our favorite Bible characters. And I, I talked about it just a little bit last week. And as I just threw it in as a caveat, as a parenthetical thought, it sort of went off in me. And I didn't stay on it because I, I, I had a plan and, and I felt like God led me to do something. But all week long, this has come back to me. So I want to go back to that. And let me just share with you something that I wrote. The title of today's message is Transition, Grief, and New Beginnings. Now listen to this. Transition is a crazy time, right? We all know that. Because you're not where you were, and you're not quite where you're going to be. You're caught in the meantime or in between. You've got this excitement about the new thing, and it gets mixed with grieving what's been lost or left behind. It's real. That's what I want to say to you right now. It's real. What you are experiencing, what you're feeling... Don't think it's because you don't have enough faith. Because if that's the case, then King David never had enough faith. Jesus in the garden didn't have enough faith. Jesus, when he wept over Jerusalem, didn't have enough faith. I don't think that's the case. It's a real human emotion. It's real. Those emotions are real. And the struggle is real. God is near and close but his voice is not always loud and thunderous, is it? His still small voice can get buried in the tyranny of the urgent and the noise and the chatter and the news that you're being bombarded with every day. So let me encourage you with this. You're not losing your mind. You just feel that way from time to time. God is forming a man. And God is forming a woman. And now we lean into and embrace his process and his work in our lives. So in the book of 1 Samuel, I want to invite you to turn there in your Bible. You'll see these scriptures on the bottom of the screen. But I want to invite you to turn there in your own Bible. I'm going to be reading this story from the New King James Version. Because sometimes reading Old Testament stories in a classical 
uh, translation just sounds a lot better. You know what I mean? I love this. 1 Samuel chapter 30 verse 1 says this. Now, Dave, now it happened when David and his men, so David and his mighty men, when they came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire. Now, why that's such a big deal is I've got to give you a little bit of context because context is king. The big deal in that is that while David and his mighty men were off, their women, children, and possessions were left behind in the community of the city of Ziklag. So while they were there and while David was out doing what they were doing and making war and, and trying to, to be strategic and fighting off these invaders, another group called the Amalekites, which we see all throughout the Old Testament, they were always posing a problem, creating issues. They sneak in from the south and they invade Ziklag and they take all the women, all the children, and all their possessions. Then, if, to add insult to injury, they burn the place with fire. So you can imagine David and his men coming back and seeing smoke in the, in the distance and knowing that their city has been invaded. And when they get there, it's exactly as they thought. Verse 2 says, uh, They had burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great, the children, everyone. They did not kill anyone. Isn't that interesting? They didn't kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. Verse 3. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Now, right there in that moment, if you're a, if you're a, a daddy or a mommy, you can barely imagine, but, you, but we can to a degree, what went through them as they were riding up to that city, seeing that it had been burned, and there, it was a ghost town. No one was there. They didn't know if they had been killed. They didn't know what had happened. All they knew is that raiders, marauders from the south, the Amalekites, had come in and stolen, taken, and pillaged the village. And here they are left. And all they know is that they've just lost everything they love and that's cherished, that they cherish. Verse 4. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until... They had no more power to weep. Can you imagine that? And maybe you have experienced great loss in your life where it was so disruptive and so destructive to you and so devastating to your soul that you wept until you had nothing left. You cried it out, so to speak. And I can just imagine what they were experiencing as... They were processing in real time what they were seeing, not knowing if they, their, their wives had been killed, their children, their sons and daughters had been murdered as they were taken away. They had no idea. And before I move forward, I want to share something with you because I want to revisit this thing called grief because it's really important. Kubler-Ross, she developed uh, something called the five stages of grief. And Here's what's interesting. You've probably experienced it whether you know you were experiencing it or not. Because if there was no one there to say, this is that, 
this is what you're going through, this is what you're feeling, and this is why you're feeling it, then you just thought that for a season you were losing your mind. But if you'll think back to those times, and I'm going to share these, these stages of grief, I think you'll realize I've done that before. I, now that makes sense, what I was going through. It's way more obvious when we lose a loved one and there's a funeral and there's closure and there's all of that. And, you know, we say, grieve well, grieve well, grieve fully. It's a gift from God, even though it doesn't feel like it at the time. It's a God's pressure release valve for your soul. And I tell people, permission to grieve. The last thing I ever tell anyone in great loss is you got to be strong. And let me tell you something, that is the time not to be strong. There is no need to be strong. What your body is going from and what you're viscerally reacting to is a very real loss. And in this moment, in real time, David and his men immediately were thrust into the throes of grief and great, because of great loss. And so listen to this. These are the five stages. If you've never understood this, maybe this will help you. The first stage, and, and let me just, before I even say that, Relate it to what we're going through right now. What we have lost is a way of life. Many have lost businesses. Many may not reopen. Many have lost jobs. Many have lost their way of life, their comfort zone. Maybe you had a routine and you liked your routine. You liked your life. Maybe it wasn't the best life ever, but it was good and you were content, you found joy and contentment in life in it, now all of that has been disrupted and in some ways may never be encountered again, maybe not to that degree or in that way. So transition is now what we're experiencing. We're then the in-between time. And it is disruptive, it is disorienting. And so in light of that, this heaviness that you may have experienced or maybe you're going to or maybe you're in it right now, this is real, the struggle is real, and this may help identify what you're going through. Number one is denial. Now, when, when great loss happens, there's this idea or sense of going, no, 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 that, there's no way this can be. I don't know about you, but when we started getting the, the, the first um, updates on COVID-19, and they started saying, this might happen, this might happen, in my mind, I was saying, oh, no, that's not going to happen. Surely, literally, I don't know about you, I thought two weeks Two or three weeks, max. I thought, two or three weeks, we'll be back together. Businesses will be reopened. We'll get through this. It's like SARS or Ebola. We'll, we'll get this handled quickly. Who knew? Who knew it was going to go on this long? Well, we didn't. I didn't. And my first response was denial. Ah, this is no big deal. Oh, I don't think it's all that. I don't think, I, don't, I think this is, they're making more out of it than it is. And then two weeks passed and then three weeks, and four, and five, and here we are. Denial is the first stage of grief. And, and here are the emotions connected with denial. Avoidance, just don't go there, don't even enter in. Confusion, disorientation. Elation, this idea of, of you may be, it's the craziest thing, because you may be up one moment and down the next, down one and up, and it can all happen within five minutes. And all these are all over. Here's another one. Shock and fear are part of this first stage because you're processing everything that's going on. And it is, it is disorienting. The second stage is anger. 
Because you move from that into another phase, another place where you're just mad. Let me ask you a question. Have you been angry about this? Have you been angry about having to quarantine, having to wear a mask? Have you walked up to a business that, that demanded you wear a mask, even though the governor said it's not required? Has that made you mad? Have you said, wait a minute, this is, this is unreal. Has it bothered you seeing on news or being in a larger city where everyone has to wear a mask or they've been required to, whether it's legal or not, they're saying you have to, and it looks like you're in a sci-fi movie. Has that made you mad? Has it bothered you? It's made me mad. I felt anger. Listen to this. Anger in the second stage. Frustration. Irritation. Have you been irritable? Just ask my wife. Have you been irritable? Just ask her if Pastor Jimmy's been irritable. How about anxiety? Feeling the stress and anxiety. That's the second stage. Third stage is bargaining. Bargaining. This is where you begin to struggle for meaning. Okay, what does this really mean? What's really going on here? And you begin to ask those questions. What's happening here? Why did this happen? There must be a reason for this. Do you know, I do not subscribe that everything happens for a reason. I just don't. I don't necessarily believe that. You might. And we do that because we're trying to find meaning in something. Not that you can't find it and make it because God causes all things to work together for the good, but that doesn't mean he caused it. It's after the fact where it's now taken and meaning gets brought to it, but he didn't set you up so that he could teach you something. You don't kick your kid off the monkey bars to teach them to be safe on the monkey bars, nor would God do that to you. So there's this idea we're struggling for meaning. We're looking for meaning in the midst of it, reaching out to others for help. And another part of bargaining is we begin to tell our own story. I mean, how many times have you sat down with somebody or communicated online with somebody where you just, this is all the topic of conversation, how you're feeling, what you're going through. That's the bargaining phase. The fourth stage is this. It's outright depression. And mind you, these don't just come in just stages subsequently. They can come sequentially, but they also can interact and, and you can overlap and go back and forth. Depression, you're feeling overwhelmed or feeling helplessness, even hostility and a desire to run, flight. Have you ever just wanted to just get out of here? Just go. Man, I've got pictures of friends, very envious, on the beach right now, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, and you didn't invite me to go? I'm ready to get out of here. I'm ready to find some normalcy. You're sending me, you're posting pictures of you at the beach. How unfair is that? That's that getting out. That's going, just going, getting out of here. How many of you are feeling overwhelmed right now? And how about this, the, fat, the fifth stage in this grief cycle? Acceptance. <sighs> where you're, you're, you've been on this roller coaster ride and you move into a posture of acceptance. And here's, here's what's connected with that. Exploring options. That's where you're actually, your mind begins to settle enough that you can actually think again. Where you don't feel like you're losing your mind, you actually begin to get some clarity and the fog of war begins to lift off of you. So now you begin to explore options. Now you begin to plan and, and Planning is a part of that where you're beginning to look towards the future and go, okay, this is where it is. I accept this is what it is. Now there's a new, as we use the term, which is now getting very overused in the media, new normal. There's a new thing. Now I've got a new plan in place. And the last part of that is moving on and moving forward to 
where now you begin to put one foot in front of the other and go forward. So I just gave you those five stages of grief, and I, and I gave the cycle of grief, and I gave you all the corresponding emotions and responses. Is this what you're experiencing right now? Are you sensing that? Are you feeling that? Well, here's what happened to me on the mower. As I'm going through and running through all of these, and I'm having a moment, and really it was a good moment because I realized that's what it was. And when I had that clarity and realized that's what was going on, the beauty of it is, is that while I would normally be quick to move on from that emotionally and say, oh, I walk by faith and not by sight. I'm not moved by what I see, not moved by what I feel. I'm moved by what I know and the truth. The truth makes me free. And I have a tendency to move too quickly out of that. And the Holy Spirit, literally, I've sensed this, said, feel what you feel. And I had a tendency, or I've had a tendency to, to not to move quickly through that. And so I, I was, as I'm, I'm cruising along on the mower, and I'm just going, okay, I feel this. I feel it. It's real. I feel it. Okay, this is real. And what was so neat was that as I settled into that, I quickly moved into acceptance. To where then my mind began to think outside of that and beyond it. It was amazing how the peace of God that transcends or passes all understanding began to settle on me. As I just said, okay, this is real. I feel this. I acknowledge this is what I feel. Now, I understand that my feelings are temporary and subject to change. They're not truth. They're just a fact. And so I have great hope and expectation that I'm going to move on. And sure enough, it just began to lift. And 15 minutes later, I'm changing the playlist to some rock and music just to go, man, I'm going to celebrate now because I just feel peace. The peace of God came over me. You can imagine, back to David, the story of David and the Amalekites and losing everything. In verse 5, it says this, And David's two wives, Ahinoam and the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Verse 6, Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul, look at this, the soul of all the people was grieved. There they are. Their souls, they were grieved deep. Every man for his sons and his daughters. And then I love the next sentence. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Now you have to realize that this wasn't David's first, first rodeo. It wasn't his first time around the block with pain, with loss, with grief. In Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4, that won't be on the screen. I just want to read it to you. This is what David wrote. He says, When I am afraid... I will trust in you. There's a pattern to David's psalm writing. First of all, it's a complaint. David would come and be honest about feeling what he felt, and he would come before the Lord with an honest complaint. You're not listening to me. You're not answering my prayer. I don't feel your presence. Where have you gone? David was very honest. And then that complaint would move typically into a a shift where he began to declare the goodness of God in spite of how he felt. And that typically would shift in the pattern of the Psalms, David's Psalm writing. It would shift to a full-out worship experience and a declaration and a lift and a release in his spirit. And you can see it in the writing through the Psalms. 
He says this in Psalm 56, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, I will, in God I will trust. I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? In other words, no matter what, I'm going to trust in God. That's Psalm 56, 3 and 4. Psalm 51, familiar to many. Psalm 51, verses 9 through 12. Listen to this. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. David was in a dark place. He was in a deep place in his soul. Verse 10. He says, create a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. And then he says this, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. And if you continue to read through Psalm 51, he makes the turn. And he says, as you restore me, I will bring many people to you. God loves you. God has a heart to restore you. God has a heart to, to lift you out of the miry clay and set your feet on a rock. He loves you. But it's okay to feel what you feel, acknowledge what you feel, and then do exactly what David did. David strengthened himself in the Lord by acknowledging where he was, declaring the goodness of God and who God is, and then receiving that into and for himself and beginning to put one foot in front of the other. Verse 7, back to our story. Let's see what happens. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. Remember the ephod was how they found the will of God. It was an ornate vest that had, had the Urim and Thummim in it, and, and they would interpret the will of the Lord through that. And he says, he doesn't say, Abithar, you put on the vest, you put it on, and you determine. He says, bring it to me. David moves out of a kingly position into a priestly position. And it says this, and Abithar brought the ephod to David. Verse 8, so David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue this troop? And shall I overtake them? So David asks, he just goes to the Lord and says, should I do this? Look what it says. And he answered him. See, God desires to answer you. He, he desires to speak to you. He says this, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. And you know what happened? We're going to stop there with the story. But they... But, but, David was able to regather his men and re-rally his men, and they went after the Amalekites. They found them through a crazy turn of events, through a fluke. They found them, and they were able to literally overtake them and recover everything, and not one life or possession was lost. There was complete, utter restoration. But more than the restoration of stuff, was the restoration of their hearts and the restoration of their souls. I believe with everything that's in me that God wants to restore your heart. So if you find yourself in the middle of this moment right now in grief, feeling the weight of this, identifying with these emotions, I want you to know something. That is not your new normal. 
That is not what you're going to feel the rest of your life. That is temporary, subject to change. And follow the pattern of the Psalms. Follow the pattern of David strengthening himself in the Lord by acknowledging what you feel and by beginning to declare the Word of God over your life and the goodness of God and the nature and the character and the faithfulness and the love of God over you. And then declare that upon yourself and for yourself and receive by faith the truth that sets you free. Well, listen, I was down in the dumps on Thursday, but boy, it switched very quickly when I leaned into this, acknowledged. It was really weird. I, go on, I went online and publicly was having a session right there going, here's what I'm feeling. Maybe you're feeling it too. And I just laughed about it later. I was like, man, that's kind of vomited there for everybody to see. But the thing about it was, as I did it, it God was healing me right there in the moment. It was a beautiful thing. I reached out for help. <laughs> Listen to this, and I'll end with this. Jeremiah 33, verses 2 and 3. Thus says the Lord God who made it, the Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Verse 3, listen to this. This is for you. Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Call to me and I will answer you. God wants to answer you. He wants to speak into your life. Right now you may be struggling with grief, the loss of what was. Maybe you're caught in the in-between time, not sure where this is going to go. But let me tell you something. Wherever this goes, God will be there. His presence will be there. His spirit, his life, hope will be there. And I hope that today you can encourage yourself, strengthen yourself in the Lord, just as David did at Ziklag. And then along with David, you can begin to declare the praises of God in the midst of pain, in the midst of trouble. You know what? God's got this. But better yet, God's got you and me. Isn't that good news today? As I close today, you may be listening, maybe you're not a part of our fellowship, and you've never actually given your heart to Jesus Christ. I want to invite you, just in very short order, to pray and receive Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, not a way, the truth, not a truth, and the life, not just a life. And he says, no man comes to the Father but by me. We come to God, we're reconciled, we're reconnected to God through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. I want to invite you to pray with me. I'll lead you in a simple prayer to come to Jesus by faith. Would you do that with me right now, right where you are? Just bow your head and pray this simple prayer after me. Own it. Make it your own. Just bow your head and say, Lord Jesus... I confess to you, I have sinned. I have missed the mark. I have fallen short. I need you. I need help. I need a Savior. I invite you into my life to be my Savior and to be my Lord.
I give you my past. I give you my present. I give you my future. I give you all that I am. And all that I have. I am yours. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for saving me. Now, use me. Use my life for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer today, would you do me a huge favor and email me at info at bridgefbg.com. Info at bridgefbg.com. And would you just write me and say, I prayed that prayer and I've got a little gift book I want to send to you. So send me your name and your address so I can get that to you. And it's just sort of a, it's a book by Max Licato that helps you take your next steps. What do I do? Okay, I prayed that prayer. What do I do now? What are my next steps? And we want to help you with that. We want to encourage you as you've given your heart and your life to Jesus. We want to help you navigate that and walk that out. We'll start with that little booklet, but we want to connect with you. So do write me, info at bridgefbg.com. God bless you. Have an amazing week, an amazing day. And remember, this grief, this feeling, it's just temporary. You're going to get through this. Because like I said a moment ago, and I'll end with this, God's got this. But better still, God's got you. God bless you.